0: Guys, uh, welcome. We are in week four of our series, The Real God. And uh, what I'm going to ask you to do real quick is uh, if you have your phone and you haven't already done this, we're going to put a QR code up on the screen, uh, full screen. We're going to ask you to go ahead and pull up our digital sermon notes. And uh, they're going to be very helpful to you this morning. I'm going to pray for us and ask the Holy Spirit to come take his place as our teacher. Father God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for the ability to gather here in your name. And uh, God, we're so grateful for the ability to gather back together in person. It, is, it has been such a blessing uh, to see my brothers and sisters in, here again and, and at the park. And, and Lord, um, what we want more than anything else is we want to hear from you. God, that's what we, we cry out. We, we need to hear from you. And so, um, Father, we just want to recognize the role of the Holy Spirit. Um, he, he is a, a great gift unto us. Jesus, we know that you sent us the Holy Spirit as a gift to be our counselor, to be our teacher, to be our guide. And we're going to ask right now, Holy Spirit, that you'd come and take your proper place um, in our life and in this church and that you would lead us and teach us in the ways of Jesus, that we might see him clearly and that we might want him more than anything else uh, this world has to offer. In Jesus' name, we pray these things and all God's people said, Amen, Amen. See, we can do that because we're in person. Uh, Well, guys, we are in week four of our series, The Real God. And kind of the point of the series is that we want to see God as, as He chooses to reveal Himself to us in Scripture. And the reason why is because what we think about God is actually the most important thing about us, right? Because uh, there's a domino effect. If we have the wrong view of God, uh, that has a domino effect, and it really ends up hurting us in other areas of life. It can cause great, great consequence. Uh, but if we have a right view of God, same thing, uh, great it can have a great uh, increasing effect on our life. And we kind of talked about how dominoes, one domino can knock over a domino twice its size, twice its weight, and, and that keeps going. And so um, we want to we get a right view of God. So to this point, we studied two attributes of God. We looked at God's goodness, and then uh, last week we studied God's sovereignty. God's sovereignty. And so we're going to take a, another step in our journey this morning. And we want to see what the Word of God says to us um, about... God's holiness, about God's holiness, okay? And uh, so if if you're following along, and by the way, uh, if you're watching at home, this is just one tidbit, what we do here. Sunday morning is just one piece of this puzzle. This is a church-wide campaign. Uh, There's a book that you can be reading. Uh, We've got Bible studies that are hosted in person and on Zoom. Uh, for our ladies, they 're also having a Zoom Bible study, and uh, what we 're doing is we 're diving in deeper during the week uh, via Right now media, and we 're watching this study and we 're learning more and more about these attributes. So this week, the study it 's about twenty minutes, I uh, will be on, on, on the holiness of God, and then we 'll break out into small groups to discuss those things. and so this is just a part. The rest is now happening on Wednesdays, and so we want to let you know, and we are back in person for Wednesdays as well, and so uh, we would love for you to join us. So uh, what, what is holiness? If we're going to kind of start and say that God is holy, well, what does that mean? Right? What does that mean? And so I think Ingram does a really good job in his book of defining what the word holy is. He says holy means to divide, to mark off, to set apart from all else. He says when applied to God, holiness is that which divides him from everyone and everything else. Right? Holiness is that thing that divides God from everyone And everything else. And this morning, what I want to do is I want to talk to you about what God's holiness does uh, for us and also what it demands from us. Okay? So I want to talk to you about what, what God's holiness does for us and what it demands from us. And there's four things I want to share. And guys, here is the first, right? I want you to understand this morning that God's holiness should leave us in all. That God's holiness should leave us in all. Right, and, and so luckily, uh, we, we have recorded throughout Scripture tons of occurrences where God uh, is is present, and somebody experiences God, they encounter God, and, and we have written in, in Scripture how they respond, right, how they respond. I, I like to think about Abram right before uh, before god the uh, first time God meets abram he 's seventy five and he shows up and says, "Hey, Abram, I want you to get up, pack everything you own, and I want you to leave." And I want you to go to some place that I will eventually show you. I ain't ain't telling you where to go yet, but I'm going to tell you where to go. And I just want you to pack up and leave. And so the Bible says that in faith, Abram does that. And he's justified by that faith, right? Uh, But then later... It's not until later that God finally shows up and he's going to keep that promise. Because he told Abram, hey, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. But then later we found out, by the time God shows up and he establishes this covenant of circumcision with Abram, Abram's now 99 years old. And this is what the word of the Lord says. It says in Genesis 17, 1-3, when Abram was 99 years old... The Lord appeared to him, saying, I am God Almighty. Live in my presence and be blameless. I will set up my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you greatly. It says, Then Abram fell face down, and God spoke with him. Then Abram fell face down, and God spoke with him. And so listen, uh, we we have this great man of faith. He has an encounter with God. God is speaking to him. And and what is the only thing Abram can do? He can he he fall face down that 's it he, he he only that 's the only proper response and we see this time and time and time again in in scripture uh, when God uh, shows up and, and shows out on, on Mount Carmel as Elijah is facing the four hundred and fifty prophets of, of Baal. remember Elijah cries out this in leviticus uh, in um I'm, I'm like losing my mind here. I need to go to Leviticus first, don't I? Yeah, I need to go to Leviticus first. Uh, so when, when God institutes the priesthood, let's start there. We, we haven't made it to, to Mount Carmel yet. God institutes the priesthood. And so you guys remember uh, that, that God calls his people, his nation Israel, out of Egypt. And then he, he, he sends Moses up on the mountain. And, and uh, there he establishes a covenant and he gives Moses commands. And he says, listen, here's the deal. I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. But if we're going to dwell together... Uh, we've got to do something. If we're going to dwell together. Uh, what we need to do is, you need. Hey, hey, uh, there we go. Camera people, help me out. Uh, so listen, he says, if we're going to dwell together, we've got to establish some things. So we're going to establish some rules. So here's here's the commands. Here's what you have to do. Uh, but but we also have to establish something because I'm holy. God says because I'm holy, and you're sinful. And so God establishes a sacrificial system to deal with his children's sin so that he can be in their presence, right? And so to do that, he's got to have a whole new class of people. He's got to have a a group of people called priests. And so the very first time God inaugurates this priestly class uh, happens in Leviticus 9. And it says this, this is when God shows up Uh, It says, Aaron lifts up his hands towards the people. He blesses them. He he came down after sacrificing the sin offering, the burn offering, and the fellowship offering. Moses and Aaron then entered the tent of meeting. And, And when they came out, they blessed the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Fire came from the Lord, and it consumed the burn offering and the fat portions on the altar. And when all the people saw it, guess what they did? They shouted, and they fell face down. And we, when God showed up, all they could do was, was, was the same thing that Abram did. Just fall flat on their face in awe of God and his majesty and his, his power, right? And, and again, God's saying, man, I'm holy. You need priest, okay? So he consecrates this moment. He shows up in power and the people are like, whoa. Uh, again, on, on, on Mount Carmel, as, as Elijah's facing off with the false prophets of Baal, uh, he, he cries out, he prays, answer me, Lord. Answer me so that this people will know that you, the Lord and God, that you have turned their hearts back. And then the Lord's fire fell. It consumed the burnt offering, the wood, the stones, the dust, and it licked up all that water that He had poured out that was, that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, what did they do? They fell face down and they said, the Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. I want you to hear me. and This isn't just an Old Testament response to the holiness of God and the power of God. It's not. In fact, we see the same thing in the New Testament when James and Peter and John, they go up on the mountain and they see Jesus transfigured in all of His glory. And there, the voice of God speaks. And this is what it says in Matthew 17, 5 six. It says, while He was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud covered them and the voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well. Please listen to Him. And when the disciples heard this, they fell face down. They were terrified. They are like, whoa, God. Whoa, God. And of course, uh, the book of Revelation gives us a, a glimpse of what heaven is going to be like. In Revelation chapter 7, uh, the word of the Lord says, it says, all the angels stood around the throne, and along with the elders and the four living creatures, they fell face down before the throne, and they worshiped God. Friends, that is the proper response to seeing God. It's worship. It's awe, Right? So that's the first thing we, we need to know. God's holiness should leave us in awe. It should drive us to, to worship. Whoa, right? That's kind of the first thing, right? Second thing I want you to see is that God's holiness, not only should it leave us in awe, but, but it should make us appalled at our own sin. If you're trying to fill in the blanks, by the way, they're all going to start with A. Hey, that's pastor alliteration this morning. You're welcome. Well, pastors love it. If, we can, if all the points can start with one letter, man, we've done well. And uh, so this morning, they all start with A. And so, so listen, I want you to know that God's holiness should make us appalled at our own sin. And if you have your Bibles, I'm in Isaiah uh, chapter 6. If you've just got your, your digital sermon notes open right underneath the point, you can click on Isaiah 6 and, and 1 through 5 will pop up. I'm going to read them with you. And the word of the Lord says, It says, In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord seated on a high and lofty throne. And, and the hem of his robe filled the temple seraphim were standing above him they each had six wings with two they covered their faces with two they covered their feet and with two they flew and one called to another holy 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 is the lord of armies. his glory fills the whole earth so isaiah is in the presence of a holy god the the seraphim are flying around declaring the holiness of God and how does he respond this is how he responds uh, verse 4 it says the foundations of the doorway shook at the sound of their voices the temple was filled with smoke and then I want to I want emphasize this let's put verse 5 up on the screen this is what it says in verse 5 then I said woe is me for I am ruined because I am a man of unclean lips and I live amongst a people of unclean lips my eyes have seen the king the lord of armies woe is me right that's his response. See, Isaiah sees God and all of His holiness, and the moment that he sees God and he sees all of His goodness and he sees all of His glory and he sees all of His power and he sees all of His purity, the moment that he sees how far God is set apart from man, he, he can't help but see what a sinner he is. And he cries out, woe is me, God. Man, I mean, like, I, don't, I don't deserve to be... It's driving him back into that, that sense of awe, like, Woe is me. You see two things happen when we're in the holiness of God. The first thing is it creates a sense of awe which drives us to worship. The second thing it does creates a little bit of a sense of ooh. Right? So the first thing is awe. The second thing is ooh. Look at my sin. God, man, forgive me. Right. That's what it does. When you see how set apart God really is, then you see your sin and, and and it should drive you to that point that you like Isaiah, we're just going, God man, forgive me. Woe is me, God. Woe is me. And so first thing I want you to see is that God's holiness should leave us in all. The second thing is is uh, that God's holiness should make us appalled at our own sin. The the third thing I want you to see is that God's holiness demands our allegiance. That God's holiness demands our allegiance. So if there there's one passage of Scripture that I think speaks to the holiness of God and, and the set-apart nature of God and who He is and who we are, uh, I think, for me, it's Isaiah 40. Right? And so I'm, I'm going to be in Isaiah 40. I want to read to you from verse 21 to 31, just 11 verses there of God declaring that he's holy. And then we're going to talk about why God declares that he's holy because I kind of want you to see how that works out. So, starting in verse 21, uh, God is, is saying, Do you not know? Right? Have, have you not heard? Has it not been declared to you from the beginning? Have you not considered the foundations of the earth? God is enthroned above the circle of the earth. That speaks to His set-apart nature, to His holiness. God, God's enthroned above all of creation. Right? It says its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like grasshoppers. Like Thin cloth and he spreads them out like a tent to live in. He reduces princes to nothing and makes judges of the earth like a wasteland. They're barely planted. They're barely sown. Their stem hardly takes root in the ground when he blows on them and they wither and a whirlwind carries them away like stubble. To whom will you compare me or who is my equal asks the Holy One. Look up and see who created all these. He brings out the stars by number. He calls all of them by name because of his great power and strength. Not one of them is missing. Jacob, why do you say in Israel, why do you assert my way is hidden from the Lord and my claim is ignored by my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the whole earth. He never becomes faint or weary. There is no limit to his understanding. He gives strength to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Youth, May become faint and weary. And young men may stumble and fall. But those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not become weary. They will walk and not grow faint. I love that passage. But i got to ask, when I read that passage, why does God feel the need to kind of go off for 11 verses reminding us that He's holy? Why does God kind of feel that need for 11 verses? He's got to be like, hey... Do, do, I need, do I need to remind you who calls out the stars at night, who tells the ocean they can only come? Like, do we need to, to, to hash this out again? Do we need to kind of go in and each Like, why does God feel the need to do that? What is God doing? And we actually get the answer to that if we go back and read those verses in context. So so look with me, I'll put it up on the screen, look at just a couple verses before, God has this 11 verse kind of, not, not a tirade, but he's like laying it out there, this is who I am. But just a, th- three, three, four verses before, in verse 18, this is what it says, it says, uh, with whom will you compare God? What likeness will you set up for comparison with him? An idol? See, that's your clue. He says, an an idol, something that a smelter casts and a metal worker plates with gold and and, and makes silver chains of. Listen, God is saying, hey, listen, I'm holy, man. I, I sit enthroned above the earth and everything, everyone, all of creation, like a grasshopper to me, right? I mean, I call the stars out. I tell them where to take their place. I know all of their names, God's saying. Listen, listen, I am holy. I am God. I am powerful. And why is God saying all this? Ready? He's saying all this because He wants us to know, therefore, because He's holy, He's the only one worthy of our worship and praise. That's it. See, God's holiness demands our allegiance. He's saying, don't you dare bow down to something that's engraven in, 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 in an image. And, and I know today we, we struggle with that. Well, well I, I don't have an idol. Well, you don't? I mentioned this at the park. What's your image of Jesus? Like our our church, largely this morning, white folks. uh, If if your image of Jesus is white, then I would submit to you that maybe that you're worshiping a God uh, that's a lot more like you than the one of the Bible, right? Because that's what we like to do. We like to make Jesus was from the Middle East. He didn't look like me. He didn't look like most of you. His, his skin was way darker. And so what happens, guys, is, is we create a Jesus that makes us comfortable, which means that what we're really bowing down to is our will and our want and our desire. See, I, I know a lot of people, man, we struggle because we're like, well, I don't, I don't make graven images and put them up around my head. Yeah, we do. Look in the mirror. Look in the mirror, right? We... Worship ourselves. We worship our comfort. We like to choose what parts of God's word we should uh, listen to and obey and which other parts aren't as important, right? And so God's saying, listen, my holiness and my holiness, it demands your allegiance. In fact, that's the first commandment, right? I am the Lord your God. You'll have no other gods. You won't make an image for yourself. And so Isaiah 40, God's going, hey, I'm holy. I'm powerful, And and I'm reminding you of that because there's no way that you should settle for less, including yourself. Worship me. God's holiness demands our allegiance. Last thing I'll share with you guys is uh, that pursuing God's holiness will require that we go all in. Pursuing God's holiness requires that we will go all in. And uh, I love the NIV's translation for Hebrews twelve fourteen. The NIV is a thought for t- thought translation. I think it nails it here uh, because, because it gives us the thought of what the writer of Hebrews is really trying to say in Hebrews twelve fourteen. 14. Uh, he writes, uh, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. So make every effort to be holy. And here's why. Because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. That's why it's so important, I think, those words before So make every effort. Man, make every effort to be holy, because without holiness, nobody sees God. And what do we need more than anything else? Man, we need to see God, right? And that's what I need. Only when I gaze upon the glory of God am I transformed, am I changed. Do, do I see my sin problem? Do I, do I begin to worship and confess? So, so it's so important that I understand I see God's holiness. And man, it's going to take everything in me. The pursuit of holiness, which I'm called to pursue, by the way. That's a command. Be holy. That pursuit of holiness, it's going to take everything you have. It's going to take everything you have. All right? So what, what do we do? What do we do when we begin to study God's holiness? What do we do kind of because this message? And, and so I want to give you um, three things. And here's the first. The first thing I want you to do is kind of take an assessment. So there are four questions that I want you to answer this week. Uh, I want you to ask and answer yourself these four questions. I wrote these questions, okay, so there's no magic in them. But I got done. I was like, Lord, that's got to be from you because I ain't that smart. And uh, I think these questions are worthy of, of keeping in your Bible. Okay, I think these questions, this kind of spiritual checkup is worthy of, of going back to on a regular basis because these questions reveal to us um, what we think about God, okay? And so here's, here's four things I want to challenge you to answer these questions this week uh, in your life. Number one, uh, am I in awe of God? Right? Number one, am I in awe of God? Like, like have I lost that loving feeling, right? I mean, I mean, those moments that God shows up, He shows up in power and I'm like, Whoa! Like, I mean, have, have I lost that? Has it become too casual, right? And so am I in awe of God? That's a, that's a genuine question we have to ask. Am I amazed at, at God and His power and His presence and His holiness? Am I still a, a astounded by God? That's the first question. Question number two, am, am I appalled at my sin, right? Am, am I appalled at my sin? Okay, like, listen, do, do do I wake up and when I see myself clearly, am, am, am I going, man, dude, I'm I'm a mess, I'm a wreck. That's not not good. Am I, am I appalled at my sin? And so we, we gotta we gotta kind of think through that. Like third question uh, is is God my sole allegiance and worship, right? Is God my sole allegiance? Is 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 the Lord the only one I'm bowing down to, or am I bowing down to idols, including? That, that idol of self or that, that thing that I would build up in what I'm comfortable worshiping. This is the God I want to come to. I, I want to worship a God that's loving, not, not one that necessarily is holy, that says I have to change, right? Like that's, that You don't get to pick and choose the Bible. That's not how it works, so I've got to take the whole thing. Uh, fourth question is, am I making every effort to pursue holiness? Am I making every effort to pursue holiness? And we can go picture-in-picture, picture guys, upstairs. Uh, am, am, am I making every effort to pursue holiness? Every effort. Just, that's, that's a hard question right there, isn't it? Not, 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 not am I pursuing holy. Well, yeah, I'm doing I mean, I'm waking up. I'm reading a little something, something. Yeah. No, am I making every effort? And here's the deal. If the answer to any of those questions is no, then we got to do something, right? Do we have to do something? If the answer to any of those questions is no, we got to do something. So what do we have to do? And, and that's the second thing. I think if our answer is, is no to any of those questions, I want to challenge you then this week to go it says two part, to go and to gaze upon the holiness of God. To go and to gaze upon the holiness of God. And so here's the deal, um, I, would, I would just tell you guys uh, flat out, I, I promise you that there was a never a day in Moses' life that he passed by uh, that place, that bush, that the Lord spoke to him and he didn't go back mentally to that, like, oh my gosh, like, it, it, it never happened. There was, there was never a time that Elijah passed by Mount Carmel and, and, and forgot how God showed up in power. Never a time that that happened. Uh, Peter, James, and John, there was never a time that they were near the mountain of transfiguration and they forgot uh, how God had showed up and, and, and shown out. There was, there was just never a time. There, there was never a time that, that Abram could, could forget as uh, he began, he has a son. I, there's never a time that he could look at Isaac and forget the promise and the covenant of God. There's just no way. There's just no way. And this and so is what I'm going to tell you guys is if our answer to any of those questions was no, then what we need is, is we got to get ourselves on holy ground. Right? And, and so where is holy ground? Well, when two or three are, are gathering in his name, so I'm just going to tell you, I, I want to go close up here, uh, you people at home, I love you. Uh, church right? You can do it at the park. You can do it here in person. No excuse. You've got to get around some brothers and sisters. You've got to have two or more gathered. Now, you may be doing that at home, and that's fine, but you need community, too, because sometimes you don't want to have community with your kids anymore. Okay? Love you. Um, just, just, it's the truth. Like, ah! I love you. I parent you. I cook for you. You're supposed to help me clean, so, but then I clean up after you. Now I'm educating you, and I'm real close to killing you. Uh, I, I know some of you parents, you, you feel Abraham. You're like, I'm raising the knife, Lord. Uh, that's, that was a different deal. It was a different deal. And so, so here's, here's what I'm saying to you. If, if Listen, if anywhere along that spectrum our answer was no, then guys, what I'm missing is I, I haven't seen the holiness of God. And so I've got to go to holy places and maybe that's that it could be a, a, a place for you. Maybe, man, hey, there was this place and it was like I had I had my quiet time by the fireplace every morning at this time. And but you haven't done it in months. And so you got to go to that place. Right. And so you, you go to that place where the Lord's met with you, where, you know, man, I'm going to find him here. So you go to the place. But you can't just go. Then you have to gaze. It's not enough to go. I mean, when you go, you got to go, and you got to be prepared to see God. And so I challenged our our folks in the park this morning, like, like, listen, that means life is a little different, right? Because I'm not seeing God, because my life's not okay, because I can't answer yes to these four questions. That means that there's stuff wrong with me, so I need to gaze upon the holiness of God, which means I need God to be there. And so I said, like, when is the last time? So don't just set your alarm, but actually go to bed on time the night before with this prayer. Lord, tomorrow I'm going to your house. I'm going to show up, and I I want to see you. I want to see your face. I don't want to miss you. I want to hear what you have to say to me. And so, Lord, I'm, I'm here. I'm open. I'm willing. I need your holiness. I need your presence in my life. I need you to change me. I need you to transform me from the inside out, God. And we show up with this expectation of God to move as He has. And that's why we sing songs like, Do It Again, Lord. And so I would just submit to you this man, we've been, six months has been rough. And what we need is we need to gaze upon the beauty and the majesty of God. We need to remember that He's good, we need to remember that He is sovereign. Right? And we need to remember that he's set apart. And this good God, like, like, listen, we're all doing our best. Hadn't that been the mantra of COVID? Amen. Everybody's I'm just doing my best. Okay, I'm doing my best. And, and we all are to an extent. But I think if we dug a little deeper, we'd also say that there's a little bit of laziness in that phrase at this point in our life. Because doing my best, I've given myself a whole lot of grace when it comes to pursuing the holiness of God. Anybody else? Just me? Y'all have masks on. So y'all like, stop preaching me, pastor. I won't hear no more. Mm-mm. Make every effort. And that's the last point this morning, alright? Then no, we're done. Number three. Uh, give it all you've got. Give it all you've got. Why? Because the promise of God, Jeremiah 29, 13, Seek me and find me when you seek me with All of your heart, not some. Not I'm doing my best. I'm doing like, like. Listen, if 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 your best is really all you have, like I get that. Like there are times that we are just. I mean, our best really is our best. I mean, right? And if you're there, I I ain't asking you for more than that. Okay. I mean, if your best is like I'm, I'm I'm done. Ever like I, I get that. But if you're saying, well, I'm doing my best, and you're not really doing your best, you following me? Make every effort. To pursue holiness. Make every effort to be holy. Why? Because without holiness, none of us see God. Now, I want to tell you this. Don't forget about Jesus and that. Man, I, I, I hear some of those things like that sometimes. I hear... Hebrews, they make every effort to be holy because without holiness, no one sees God. And then I think, ah, oh, and then I forget. Wait a second, what I what I have to do? I got to be, I got to be around God because when I gaze upon the holiness of God, not only am I in awe, but I'm also in ooh. Uh, I see my own sin, I confess it, say Jesus, I need you. You're perfect for me. Your your grace, your goodness, your perfection covers me. You're my righteousness, not me, right? And so, so I can be in the pre- I can see God because of Jesus, and so I rely on the. Those things, but then there is also this personal application where then I, because of what Jesus has done, must make every effort to live like Jesus, to pursue holiness, and then I'll see God. I'll see Him in my everyday life, I'll see Him in every struggle I'm facing. He'll show up and He'll show out in my life just like He always has in the life of His kids. Okay? So that's what I want to leave you with this morning. I'm going to pray for us. Okay, then we're going to say, uh, we've got one announcement, so you guys at home, don't, don't, don't turn us off yet. So I'm going to pray, we've got one announcement, and then we'll dismiss. Father God, thank you for loving us, thank you for your word, thank you for allowing us to gather and do church wherever that is. Lord, we're so thankful for our online community, we're thankful for those uh, that are able uh, to be here in person. Um, and, and, uh, and Lord, it's just so good to, to see them and to be with them. Help us uh, begin to restore the community Uh, and that togetherness that we have that's so important to this Christian life, whether that's virtually uh, through participating in in Zoom meetings and Bible studies or those things, or that's in-person meeting. Uh, God, remind us that no one should be an island, Lord. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.